Grace and peace and welcome to this strange new world that is online worship here at 11.01 on Sunday, March 15th, getting ready to worship in a strange and new and bizarre way, uh, talking into a microphone and a camera here in my office at Cokesbury United Methodist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. If you're joining us from the church, grace to you this morning. If you are just joining us on online, you're not from the community, welcome. Uh, I hope that you uh, find a word of grace today in this time that we're sharing together online. It's one of those strange coincidences. I'm fortunate in that I've been podcasting with a few friends of mine the last few years, which means I have a microphone and a decent camera, and I'm prepared to do something like this on worship. My prayers are with the many churches and clergy that are either not providing worship this morning or can't because they're not prepared to. Uh, but no matter who you are, no matter what, you, what you're doing, uh, whether you're uh, clergy or lay, uh, today is Sunday. It's Sabbath. It's time for worship. Uh, we used to, or we say all the time, where two or three are gathered, there the Lord is in the midst of them. And today, well, there's more than two or three people online watching. Uh, so it is good for us to do this thing we called worship. Uh, in the church, we like to uh, worship on Sundays uh, in what is called a fourfold method of worship. We have a time of gathering, a time of proclamation, a time of response, and then we are sent forth. The Lord uh, gathers the people called church together, uh, and God proclaims God's word through scripture uh, and uh, through sermon. There's a response, oftentimes a prayer. In our church, we have communion every single week, uh, the giving of our tithes and our offerings, that sort of thing. And then we're sent forth uh, to be God's people in the world. So we're going to, uh, as much as we can, try to follow that fourfold method of worship here together online uh, as we uh, hear what God has to say to us today. So to start, uh, I'd like us, uh, wherever you are, to just be silent for a few moments as we center our hearts and our minds uh, for this thing called uh, worship. Lord, let your will be done, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Amen. Uh, I am a Methodist, which means I can't do this worship thing without praying, uh, or without praying, without singing. So I'm going to sing a song. For those of you listening, I apologize ahead of time. I am a preacher, not a singer. Uh, but this is one of my favorite hymns. I think it fits really, really well with some of the things we're going to be talking about today. This is hymn number 382 in the United Methodist Hymnal. Uh, this is Have Thine Own Way, Lord. <clears throat> have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Savior, today. Wash me just now, Lord, wash me just now. As in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. 
wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. Amen. One of the appointed uh, scripture readings for today comes from the book of Exodus in the 17th chapter, uh, verses 1 through 7. I have no idea what page this is on in your Bibles at home, so hear now the word of the Lord. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded them. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people, they quarreled with Moses, and they said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people there thirsted for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why do you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people. Take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so. In the sight of the elders of Israel, he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'd like to have a time of prayer uh, for those that are following along. Uh, so as you're able, please find a comfortable posture. If it feels appropriate, uh, close your eyes and uh, join together as we pray. Lord, what a strange and wondrous time this is to go from ordinary days to extraordinary moments like the one we find ourselves in now. We pray, Lord, that you would give eyes to see and ears to hear at this time. For those of us inconvenienced by the days ahead, help us to remember those whose lives are truly at stake. For those of us tempted to continue on and gather with others in great numbers, help us to bear in mind those who are most vulnerable because of our hubris. For those of us who have the luxury of working from home, help us to, at the very least, Bear in mind those who must choose between maintaining their health and making their rent. For those of us who have time and patience to spend the coming weeks at home with our children, help us be mindful of those who have no idea what they're going to do. For those of us preparing to settle in within the comfort of our homes, remind us of those who have no home at all. It is a strange time, O oh Lord, but then again, time is a good gift given to us by you. So help us, Lord, to be aware of your timeliness made manifest in the one who came to change time forever and ever, that we, that we may continue to find ways to rest in your loving embrace, no matter what tomorrow brings. And now, Lord, each of us will pray to you, 
lifting up our own joys and our concerns this day. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Moses called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Who elected him king of this whole enterprise in the first place? I mean, who does he think he is? We've been out here wandering and wandering, and it's not like he has a map or anything, and compasses, they haven't even been invented yet. I, for one, think it's high time that someone gave him a piece of our minds. Any volunteers? Okay, I'll do it. Hey, Moses, I need a word. We've been camping here at Rafidim for a while now, and I just, I want to know what exactly are you going to do about the water situation? People are very thirsty, you know, and I really hate to be the one to bring this up to you, Moses, but back in the place that must not be named, we at least had food to eat and water to drink. Now, I know they worked us to the bone, but we had beds to sleep in at night when we were exhausted. And sure, they killed all the firstborns all those years ago, but things got better. All we want to know is, what's the plan, man? Why did you drag us all the way out here just to die of thirst? later. Moses, in a posture of prayer. Lord, what am I supposed to do with these people? They're just about ready to kill me. I told you back when you showed up in that fiery bush that no one was going to listen to me. And then that advice, the whole tell them I am sent you, that went over real well, didn't it? And frankly, Lord, I have to start to agree with the people. What exactly is the plan? Because right now, Egypt isn't looking so bad. And a voice cries out, you fool, Moses, go, go grab that stick over there on the floor. You know, the one you hit the river with, take some friends, go outside, hit that rock. Water's going to come out. People can drink. So Moses did as he was told. And the people drank. And yet they continued to wander and grumble and complain. And so Moses named the place of the miracle Water Rock, Massah, and Meribah because the people kept fighting and saying, is the Lord really with us or not? That story has been told and told. It's, be, it's been relived in our lives over and over again. Uh, it's a story about us. In the wilderness, it was the people complaining about the water. And for some of us, that same story has sounded a little different. And perhaps it has sounded like this. A husband is sitting down with his wife. 
I know I shouldn't have cheated on you, honey, but it was only one time. And really, you haven't been really available. And what was I supposed to do? I come home from work, putting in all those hours so you can have food ready for me on the table. And then I'm not even greeted with a smile. Heaven forbid a compliment. And so, yeah, I cheated. You know, it felt like it used to feel like with us. Or a wife sits down with her husband. I don't think we should stay together. Neither of us have broken our vows. It just doesn't feel like this is going to work. You never listen to me. You don't care about how I feel. You're gone all the time. You're so distant. I work so hard to have everything ready. And have you ever thanked me? Have you ever even noticed everything I do? In my last marriage, as horrible as it was, at least I felt seen and noticed. But with you, it's like you don't even exist sometimes. Or parents sitting down with their child. These grades are simply not going to cut it. We've sacrificed too much for you to throw your edu education away like this. Who do you think paid for the tutor? And have you even considered how much time we've given up to stay up night after night to help you with your homework? Why can't you be like Jimmy from down the street? He listens to his parents. He gets good grades. He never gets in trouble. But you, you're making everything so difficult. And so it goes. We look to other people and other things all the time to fix whatever is wrong or whatever is broken or whatever is empty within us. It's what individuals do when they find themselves in a rut at work. They will spend more time looking through job postings for other companies than working for their current employer. Then they run off at the first opportunity they find for something else only to discover more of the same. It's what dating couples do when they're not ready to get married because they're fighting all the time and not communicating at all. And they assume that getting married will force them into a place where it will finally all get sorted out, but it only actually gets worse. It's what married couples do who fight because maybe they shouldn't have gotten married in the first place and they decide to have a kid because surely that's the best solution to the problem. And then in the midst of all that hoped for self-discovery, we spend more time looking backward or in other places than we do just being in the present. Well, at least back in Egypt, we had water to drink, Moses. My last job didn't make me stay so late on Friday afternoons. My last girlfriend actually spent time with me. My neighbor's kid is so much more better behaved than my own. And it's not long before everyone is feeling empty inside. Idolatry. It's a word. It's a word we don't use much in the church these days, but it's a word God loves to use all the time in the scriptures. Idolatry. It's looking to others to give you what only God can give. It's the first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods but the Lord. And that's the one we break all the time. We can't replace God with a spouse or a kid or a job or a political party or any other number of things we often look to to provide meaning and value in our lives. And if we're honest, we know those things come up short. And they come up short because no spouse or friend or kid or job or political party or anything else can give us whatever it is we're looking for. The Israelites had no hope and no future in Egypt beaten to death, belittled for being who they were, relegated to the worst imaginable conditions, and God shows up for them spectacularly, delivering God's people out of bondage in Egypt into a strange new land. But the people grumble. 
They grumble because no matter how much we think the grass is greener on the other side, it's still just grass. And for some bewildering reason, it's in our wandering that God delights in showing up. Hey, Moses, go over there. Hit that rock with the stick. See what happens. See what I can do. Oh, y'all are hungry? I'll just rain a little manna down from heaven. I'll fill your bellies up. Oh, you're still living under the rule of sin and death? Don't worry. I'll send my son. He's going to turn the whole world upside down. God, in spite of our earnings and deservings, which don't amount to much at all in the first place, shows up, pours out the living water upon all who are thirsty in the church. We call this baptism, and it's also something that happens all the time. Frankly, it's one of the reasons we get together so often, to remind ourselves and one another of the story that is our story, the story of what we once were, the story of who we are now because of God. Notice it's not because of us or anything we've done. It's not because we've finally found the right path or we've finally found the right person or we've finally found the right program, but because God is the source of our being. God is the one who calls into existence the things that do not exist. God is the one who makes a way where there was no way. It's not easy to see at times. We're so distracted by everything else going on in our lives. We're so distracted by all the tweets and all the shows and all the messages and all the warnings that sometimes we can't even see that God is there, that God is the one who does this. But when we do begin to see even a faint little light of it, then things start to change because when that happens, our friends can let us down. And even though it hurts, it won't upend us. Our children can drive us crazy and it won't destroy us. Our spouses can speak the deepest and the ugliest truths about us and it will be painful to hear, but we can handle it. And we can do all of that because the cross, the cross has already spoken the deepest and the darkest truth about who we are. We are the sinners for whom Christ died. We are the sinners for whom Christ died. I like to call that the inconvenient truth of Christianity. We've become very good these days. Frankly, we have lots of practice at pointing out the sins in other people. And to some degree, I think that's kind of what social media is all about. We either log on to call out the imperfections in others, or we try to portray ourselves as if we are so perfect that it puts other people down. But the inconvenient truth of Christianity is that we are the sinners for whom Christ died, and that means that we are no better than anyone else. It means we're no better than those who wandered in the wilderness of sin looking for a little sip of water. We're no better than the television pundits who have made careers out of sensationalizing what we might otherwise call the news. We are no better than the man who drove from town to town buying literally all of the hand sanitizer he could find in order to resell it at a huge profit margin and is now currently sitting on 17,000 bottles and he's been blocked from selling them online. We are no better than anyone else. We are the sinners for whom Christ died. We are in a confounding moment for the church. It's a strange time with the coronavirus and the calls to stay away from one another, schools closing down, churches closing their doors. And strangely, some are using this strange time as a moment to defy the calls of the medical community and are gathering in great numbers this morning in spite of the danger. And yet this is a danger that extends far beyond those who gather because those who gather run the risk of sharing that virus with everyone else. 
We live in an age of self-righteousness and self-assertion such that we are all often saying the same thing in some way, shape, or form. I'm right. They are wrong. Pay attention to me because I'm the one who matters. You can't tell me what to do because I am the master of my own universe. But friends, part of the Christian message is that God is the master of the universe that God is the one who comes to us in ways that defy and upend our expectations, that God is the one who saves us and not the other way around. The cross stands forever and ever as a reminder that God rules in weakness. And remember, it is from that cross that stands there. It points at, it reflects all of our iniquities, all of our sins, all of our shames, all of our shortcomings. And it's from that cross that the Lord says, I forgive you because you have no idea what you're doing. The story of Moses and the wandering Israelites in the wilderness is a familiar tale. It's familiar because many of us experience it on a regular basis. We thirst for things both tangible and intangible. And more often than not, we look to people and places and things around us to fill these empty holes within us. It's a story about who we are. But there's another story in the Bible about someone else who thirsts. Jesus is on his way to Galilee, and he decides to stop in Samaria at a well. And at the well, in the middle of the day, he meets a woman. She's carrying an empty bucket. But it's not the bucket he notices. He sees her, truly, deeply sees her, takes in her emptiness. The emptiness that has carried her from man to man to man. And he says to her, I am living water. What I give is from a spring that will never, ever stop. It will never, ever run dry. It will fill you with love and meaning and purpose and value and healing and worth. And she leaves, gushing, overflowing to everyone about what Jesus had done for her. The message of scripture, the message of the story from Exodus again and again is that Jesus does what we could not and would not do for ourselves. Jesus speaks a word of truth that can sting us and build us up at the very same moment. The message of scripture is that we are the ones for whom Christ died. We are the ones in need of redemption. And Jesus does for us what we could not and would not do for ourselves. He is the only one who can fill us. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I personally am a big fan of a show called The West Wing, and I like The West Wing a lot uh, for a lot of different reasons, but one of the things I like about The West Wing is that it carries within it a lot of parables, these stories that point to something else. Uh, that sort of reflect meaning on who we are and whose we are. And one of my favorite parables from all of the West Wing takes place uh, between two characters, uh, a one who's going through something horrific. I won't give away because I want people to go out and watch the West Wing because it's so good. But one of the characters is going through a particularly difficult moment. And another character, an older mentor figure, comes to him and says, hey, have you heard the story about the guy who fell down in the hole? And he says, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, there's a guy, he's walking down the street and he starts walking and he falls down to a big hole. It's this huge pit in the ground. It's so steep, he, he can't climb his way out and he starts crying out for help. Help, help, somebody help me, somebody help me. And the sweet little old lady from church walks by and she sees this man down in the, down the pit 
She says, son, do you need some help? He says, please, please help me. And she says, son, don't you know, God helps those who help themselves. And she leaves him and walks away. So he keeps shouting, please, somebody help me. Please, somebody help me. And a doctor walks by. The doctor looks down the pit and says, hey, son, you need some help? He says, yes, please, please, I need help. And he writes him a prescription on a piece of paper and he floats it down into the pit as if that's going to help him. So man is down on his luck. He doesn't know what he's going to do. And he keeps shouting out for help. Help, 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 somebody help me. And finally, a friend walks by. And the friend sees him down the hole. He says, how'd you get down there? And he says, I fell in the hole. Can you help me? And the friend jumps off the ledge down into the hole. The man says, you idiot. Why did you do that? Now we're both stuck down here in the hole. And the friend says, no, I've been down here before. And I know the way out. That's the story of scripture. It's that God comes to us in the deepest, darkest moments of our lives, God, as a friend, jumps down into the pit where everyone else would leave us and offers us a way. God sees that emptiness of a pit that's within each of us and pours out what we call living water, uh, a water that will never run dry, a water that will never run out and fills us. It is a strange thing and something that you can only just wait to experience. Because when it happens, it changes everything else. So wherever you find yourselves these days, whatever anxieties you're carrying about the coronavirus, but also all of the other normal anxieties of life that are not going to stop or pause while everything else is happening, I hope that the living water meets you and fills you in a way that changes how you feel and you live and you move and you act. I hope that you see that God has jumped into the pit of your own life, not to just make everything go away or fix all your problems immediately, but to help you see a way out from where you find yourself. And above all, I hope you feel peace and grace and mercy, knowing that God loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and will never, ever stop. So let me pray for us. Lord, we give you thanks that you've given us something to do, to rest, to reflect, to ponder, to wonder about this thing we call grace, this thing we call divine love. In these strange days, Lord, we pray for your peace that knows no understanding, that goes beyond all understanding to rain down upon us like living water that it is that we might see and know and believe that we are more than our sins, we are more than our mistakes, and that your love will never, ever run dry for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Uh, our church, like all uh, Virginia Conference churches uh, in the United Methodist Church, will remain closed this week and will be closed next Sunday, uh, the 22nd. We will be live streaming a service again uh, next week. Uh, if you are in need of anything, in our, if you're in our particular community, please email the church, cokesburyumc at gmail.com. Uh, call the church office. Uh, I will be checking the voicemails. We want to make sure that everyone is okay, that everyone is able to get what they need, uh, that we can stay in communication with each other. Please, as much as you're able, exercise caution when traveling out from your homes. Uh, maintain excellent hygiene. Wash those hands all the time. Uh, and again, communicate. Call somebody this afternoon you haven't talked to in a while. Send someone an email you haven't talked to in a while. Check on them. See how they're doing. Uh, God is ultimately the friend who jumps down into the pit for us, but sometimes we are the friends that need to jump down into the pits of people around us. 
Sometimes we're so deep in the pit, we're just, we can't even jump into the pit for somebody else. We need somebody to come. So if you need help, ask for help. If you can offer help, jump down into the pit. Be there for people. Offer them an encouraging word, for these are strange times, but God is surely with us. So go. Go forth, not anywhere with big crowds, but go forth into your living rooms and your bedrooms and your kitchens and be the people that God has called you to be knowing that he has offered you living water and no one can ever take that away. Go in peace. Amen.